Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. William Dameron is the author of The Way Life Should Be, a novel. This episode was guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of the forthcoming Zippy Books title, Everyone But Myself, and host of Ask a Librarian. And Bill was on my podcast for his previous book as well. William Dameron is an award-winning blogger, memoirist, essayist, and the author of The Lie, a New York Times editor's choice. His work has appeared in the New York Times, Times in the UK, Telegraph, Boston Globe, Washington Post, Salon, HuffPost, Oprah Daily, Saranac Review, Lit Hub, and in the book Fashionably Late, Gay, Bi, and Trans Men Who Came Out Later in Life. William and his husband split their time between the coast of southern Maine and Florida. Bill, thanks so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to have you here today. 
It is exciting to be back, and I hoped I would be back with another book. I bet. I am so, I have so many questions for you, especially since you wrote your memoir, and this is a novel, and it just feels like it had to be such a different experience. Was it for you? The experience started out to be very similar, to be honest with you, Mm. because This book, Its Life, began as a memoir, and about 100 pages in, I switched it to a novel. So Interesting. Okay. I really learned on this book how to write fiction, how to switch from first person to third person. Oh, my goodness. That, it's so fascinating for me because I wrote a memoir, and I'm slowly trying to do the same thing, working on a novel, and it is. It's such a different headspace. And before we go any further, let's clear up. We're talking about your new novel, The Way Life Should Be, which it turns out is Maine's tourist slogan. Is that correct? That is. It's it's one of the tourist, tourist slogans. Okay. The other one is Vacation Land and Welcome Home. Okay. The Way Life Should Be resonates much more for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Will you give the listeners just a quick synopsis of what you would say the book's about? Sure. The book is about two dads who get a second chance, really. They get married later in life after coming out and finding each other, purchase a home in southern Maine, and they're living kind of an idyllic life as a second chance when one summer all three of their nearly adult children descend upon their home, each in a crisis that threatens to tear the family apart. I thought this book was so well done. It is beautifully written. Some of the ways that you express things will really stay with me. And I especially loved how it feels like this book is about so many things. It feels like it's about marriage. It's about relationships. It's about parenting. And so I really do think there will just be something for everyone in it. So I'm so thrilled for you, and I'm so happy it's going to be out in the world. So congratulations on that. You really accomplished what you set out to do. Thank you. It is about a lot of things, and that was intentional. Mm -hmm. I wanted the reader to understand all the different scenarios, all the different issues that extended families have to go through, especially when they're in a tiny space and compressed into a small amount of time. And so I was trying to make the reader feel sort of that sense of of being crammed into a small space, but also learning how to live with it and to laugh with it. Mm -hmm. There's such a tenderness to it. And I really, I loved reading about that. I know I shared with you before we came on that I live in a small home with my husband and two teenagers. And I mean, I was texting them at swim practice just now saying, hey, don't shower until I'm done with this recording. Like, it's just, (laughs) there's a whole different world for those of us that, you know, are, we're down a bathroom and things get real, right? You gotta, it just, so you do that so well. And I think you do it so effectively by sharing the cottage rules. And (laughs) I want, before we talk about that, I want to tell you when I was reading through them. So my husband is kind of a 
I mean, we won't call him a militant minimalist, but he's, you know, aggressively happy when things are being thrown away. I don't know. So, (laughs) but as I was reading the cottage rules, I was cracking up. I had a moment where I was like, I think my husband would like to live with Paul. So (laughs) if he shows up at your door one day, you'll know why. He sounds like it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us about the cottage rules, because I know you, you have an author's note in the beginning that that is the the one piece of this book that is nonfiction. So will you tell everybody about that? (laughs) That's right. So as I said, I began the book as a memoir and my publisher said, I love the premise, but we think it would be better as fiction. It it originally took place during the pandemic and I didn't want to write about that. It was it was Mm. too constraining. And so I decided turn it into fiction, make it go off the rails (laughs) Put my family in situations they were never in. Yes. But I'm going to take the rules that Paul authored many years ago when we did have several of our children living with us because we would make them read them publicly and we would laugh at it. And I thought, this is a great framing device for Mm -hmm. chapters. And so I took those rules and Paul, like your husband, is a militant minimalist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And we had a amount of time, seven and a half minutes for a shower. So I understand. Yes. But you have to create those rules in order to live peacefully. You really do. Otherwise, things will get ugly fast. I mean, people can really want to murder each other over a wet (laughs) towel or something in the washroom. It really is... You are not wrong. So I I loved it. Well, tell Paul he's he did he did well and and the ones about having your chi aligned and all of those really cracked <laughs> me up toward the end. They were so those it was such a perfect framing device for it too because I felt like in the reading of the book that kept bringing me back to not only the the real I think it it did bring me back to the realness of what you were sharing. Like that this this book is fiction, but it is true because mm-hmm. there is so much truth inside of it and really, really enjoyed that. I wanted to talk briefly. So when it, Zibby interviewed you a few years back, you were planning the premise for this novel. What you were planning on working on was different. And so I was surprised. Now, how did that happen? Did you attempt the other project and then go a different direction? Yeah, I can tell you what happened. I was working and still am working on a couple of other other projects. The one I spoke to Zippy about was more historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And that one I'm still working on. Um, but like many other writers, when the pandemic hit, yes, I couldn't write anything. Reality was just too much. And I couldn't even imagine a world beyond the one I was living in. Yes. And my agent called me up and said, hey, how's it going? What are you working on? And I unloaded. Right. Uh, and then he stepped back and said, okay. What <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> um, I think it was more than he expected. Totally. Why don't you just sit down? Because I had been telling him about it, some of the things going on. We were taking care of my in-laws who were older and declining in health. Mm -hmm. And it was stressful and the world was falling apart. And he said, just write down life happening, take note like a journalist. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that. And that's when I realized 
a big part of writing is just showing up, just showing up and writing. And so I did that and I had a hundred pages and I said, all right, here's my memoir. But then we shifted into when I, you, you can imagine my um, my editor's response. Oh, a pandemic m- memoir. Yay. <laughs> yes, yeah. please. Fantastic. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've heard enough. We want to escape. Totally. And so I did escape and I was able to get out of my bubble and just create this completely fictional account where I do horrible things to people who resemble my family members. But in the end, we come through it. You do. It is such a strange exercise, it feels like, to shift from writing things that actually happened to shift to, oh, I can make whatever I want happen in here. And so what fits this story best? So it's, I really like the way that this book captures messiness, because (laughs) I feel like that is, you can keep a clean house, but you can never keep the messiness out of our relationships and ourselves. And so I thought that that this did such a good job. Are you a person? That's actually a good point because the Washington Post that cited my book this weekend, they call it a noteworthy book for July and August. So exciting. That it, the joy of Dameron's novel is the chaotic messiness of a blended family that comes together in love and laughter. And I kind of love the way that summed it up. So it is that chaotic messiness, and there always is that. Yes. But if at the root you're honest and authentic, you can get through it. Yes. Oh, I love that chaotic messiness. It's so true. <laughs> and it's so true to life. We all experience that, right? Even when you're in seasons that are maybe less volatile than others, there's still just the the messiness of our internal selves too that's, you know, always informing right. that. I really loved one of the lines that you wrote. It was early in the book, but you wrote, we think we know our spouses better than they know themselves because in a way we create them as if before us, they were waiting to be brought to life. And I have to tell you, I highlighted that, I dog-eared the page, and I have been turning it over in my mind as since I read it because I, you know, I say that my husband is a militant minimalist, which he <laughs> is, but I also have my own control freak sides. And reading that was so, I was so fascinated by that. Was that something, I mean, things like that sort of insights that you put in, is that something you see in yourself? Where do you pull that for a novel? That did come from myself and the way that I knew Paul, and especially since we, too, are fathers who came out later in life, Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't our full selves before we married each other. And I feel like, in a way, we create that image of the person that we love by loving them, and they truly didn't exist in that way before us. That's the way I see it. And other people might see it another way. But for me, that's what it is. And it's also the absorbing of his memories and experiences. We have talked so much about everything that he's done, what his family has done. I I have watched old home movies. And I do forget, wait a minute, was that my memory or was that his? And I think Mm. that's what I do is... When you meet the person you're supposed to be with, you want to be them in a way. You want to completely be them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we create them. 
Does that ever weigh on you? Because listening to that, listening to you say that makes me realize that I feel that way. And the fact that I can never fully inhabit the mind of this person that I love so much, sometimes that feels sad to me. Does that resonate for you at all? It does resonate for me because I want to understand really, Paul is very good at being this happy-go-lucky person. Mm -hmm. And I want to know when he's genuinely hurting and he doesn't always show that. And I think that for me is sad. And I think even worse is when I might say or do something that hurts him. And I want to know how that feels. But there's another part of me who does not want to know all of his thoughts. No, it's so true. It's it's the dance of intimacy, right? Where it's like, I, I need to be close to you, but there's a there's a too close that wouldn't be good for us because I would know too much, <laughs> right? Yeah. Gosh, yes. I just, I love thinking about those sorts of journeys in our lives. And I think you put so many really effective words to it because you did meet him later in your life when you weren't. And until then you had been shielding this part of yourself. So to have that wholeness and fullness in your relationship, I would imagine is a very beautiful thing for the two of you. It is. And our families are totally enmeshed. I mean, not our families. We just call them our families. Yes. Also, yes. yeah, it is. It is a really great place. The wonderful chaotic messiness of, <laughs> of living with people. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I wanted to talk to you about, I listened to, I read your Modern Love column, which still after all this time is just so wonderful. And I want to go back and read your memoir after listening to mm. the interview with Zibby and also just learning about that. So I read the column and then Anna Martin interviewed you last year because it had been 15 years, which 
Also, right. just the passage of time as I get older is really incredible. I mean, the speed at which things turn yeah. is insane. Did you enjoy revisiting that with her? I really did because uh, I was in a completely different place. Also, I just love Modern Love Column. Oh, yes. I've been rejected by them, which I actually was very happy about. <laughs> All of the best of us have. And I have to tell you, I've been rejected by Modern Love, too. This was my third that I submitted. Third time's a charm. And then I got it. So three is the charm. Okay, I will keep at it. <laughs> and I love when they interview the people who have spoken, because I want to know where they are today. My Modern Love column, if you read it, is is really pretty much unresolved. Mm -hmm. It is me leaving my ex-wife and saying goodbye to all of that. But you as a reader have no idea what happened past that time, mm -hmm. except this was probably one of the most, was the most difficult thing that I had been through and my family has been through. So I was really happy to get to revisit that mm -hmm. with Anna and talk about where I am and where my kids are and that we're all happy and whole. And my ex-wife is now engaged to another bill. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that detail. Yeah. And, I mean, I turned 60 this year. I was in my 40s when that happened. I had open-heart surgery last December, so... I saw that in the author's note that your heart almost expired was the way you put it. It so, did. I was on the final edits for the book and okay. I had no knowledge of anything that was wrong with me except for a pain in my neck when I walked. And I went for a diagnostic procedure and they wouldn't let me leave the hospital. My arteries were almost, one was 100% blocked, the rest were 80 to 90 percent. So it was a quintuple bypass. And that changed my life, too. And it's interesting because in the book, I talk about near misses that people go through these events where they almost die and how it changes them. And then here was fiction becoming real life as I'm writing the book. It was it was very profound. Yeah. How has that changed you? I am much more relaxed. I am much more relaxed with this book than I was the first book. I worried about it. I checked the stats every day. How many reviews did I get? You know, all of these things. This time around, it's, I can't change any of that. I'm in a much better place, though. So it's, it's changed in a really good way. I have such gratitude to be alive. I bet. Is that something that you would, well, how would you advise someone? So based on what you're talking about, like this experience versus your first, and some of that's inevitable, obviously, because it's just around how our lives unfold. But what would you tell someone with a first book coming out? What would, how would you advise them from the place you are now? It's a waiting game. You think when you get your book, when it's bought by a publisher, you think this is it. Now it's all going to move ahead. No, every step of the way is a waiting game. So don't stress over that. You're going to experience, you're, you're going to want to hear more. You're going to want to be in more lists. You're going to compare yourself to everybody else, but don't do it because you are doing the best that you possibly can. And second, keep writing. When you turn in your book, work on the next one. 
I didn't do that with my first one. And then I found myself years later writing this one that I had to get done in five months. Oh, wow. So it's important that you just keep writing even as your first book is getting published and that you're a good literary citizen, you know, read other books, promote other books, promote other authors, because that rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Oh, that's really excellent advice. And you're so right. I think sharing other authors' work and promoting other authors is also such a tonic for the tendency toward comparison. And, you know, because I don't Mm. think we mean to do it to be egomaniacs. (laughs) Yes, but we do. I mean, you just can't help it. It's such a, well, and I mean, you're in IT, So I also want to talk to you about that because your day job is so fascinating to me. How does that, does that tie in for you at all with the like social media? Well, first of all, tell Mm. me what you do because you wrote in the, in your bio that it's about the, let's see, the perils of social engineering in cybersecurity. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) It is so relevant to what I write about because I write about identity and the way that people pretend to be people they're not. Okay. Or love or to gain trust or for some gain or just to hide who they are. So a lot of my writing is about identity. I'm an IT director for an economic consulting firm. Okay. And cybersecurity is very important. And I head that up for the firm. And the way that most firms will be hacked or breached is through someone pretending to be somebody they're not. And someone will trust them and give them something. It happens with phishing emails. It happens through social media as well. This is the number one way that that happens. It also happens in personal relationships. I experienced a catfishing incident where my picture was stolen. That's in the first book. And I think I've had like 30 women and a few men now contact me and say, They've had an online relationship with somebody who used my stolen photo to catfish them. And they haven't lost money, but they've lost maybe something more valuable, their trust and emotions. So the two do dovetail. And I actually use that experience to welcome every new employee so that they'll remember and they have a fa- my face, the face of deception. Yes. To the remember. Face- <laughs> Hi, I'm Bill, the face of deception. Welcome to our company. <laughs> yes, and I'll be managing your data. <laughs> but you can trust me. Have a great day. <laughs> that is, I will say, when you talked about that in your interview with Zibby, I said out loud to myself, What? I just could, I mean, it's so, it's so true. Okay. Thank you for explaining to me what that meant. I've learned so much now, but it is, it's an interesting time. I mean, we just live in this crazy time. So how we absorb some of these technological advancements that do have potential to give us life and give us connection and then also take things from us like our trust and So yeah, it's, gosh, I always think about that right now. Like people that lived 50 years ago, did they feel like the world had changed as much in those 50 years as we do now? 
but no one can answer that question for me. So I don't know. I'll work on it. Maybe I need to be a journalist. <laughs> but I do think the tale of sort of scamming people and pretending to be someone you're not goes back to the beginning yeah. of time, doesn't it? It That's just a good point. technology makes it easier. Yes. 30 women. Wow. Well, I do say you do have a wonderful face. So I could see how someone would say, <laughs> This is the one I'm going to use. Thank you. I asked. <laughs> I asked a couple of them why, and they said, your face is non-threatening, and that was their response, <laughs> or there was a vulnerability, so right. it's, it's, it wasn't, oh, you're really handsome, it's, <laughs> it's non-threatening. <laughs> Man, I mean, really, could they just have told you a little, like, a softball lie there, right? Like, you're the most handsome man I'd ever seen. Well, I think at that point they were going to be very honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can only imagine so. So in your life right now, what's your favorite thing about being a writer? Now, it's interesting. Now I have embraced fiction, and I love it was scary before because I needed the structure of nonfiction in order mm. to write. Okay. And I still do that in essays, but working on novels now, it's it's the ability to create an entire world and live in it and experience it as someone else. So again, I'm doing the same thing with identities. <laughs> <laughs> but I, they really do seem to live in my head for a while. And it's it's really enjoyable to go to that place and know that I, it, even if it isn't nonfiction, it's emotionally true. Yes. Oh, I love that. Is Paul a reader? He is a reader. Okay. Does he? He read typically your books? doesn't. Read, he reads a lot of non-historical nonfiction. He's oh. very interested in, and he can tell you about all of the different figures in the monarchy in Britain and oh wow when they lived, and he knows the flags of all the countries. He's just that type of person. Amazing. Where I remember everything everybody says. <laughs> oh, yes, you said you have a very good memory. Is that still yes. true for you? Yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not so good because that language might show up in fiction where I've used something that somebody has said. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yes, retaining that. I was thinking more that I'm a person with a good memory. And the part I don't love is when uh, my greatest hits of embarrassment start rolling at like 2 a.m., right? When you're not sleeping, <laughs> that kind of vibe. So that's always fun. <laughs> Why did I say that in 2005? Julie, think back. <laughs> well, so as you, writers, we're sponges. We just absorb everything. It's so true. What do you think is the most challenging thing when you are in the thick of it? Because I know you mentioned in the acknowledgments that toward, you know, in the writing process, you are in your head quite a bit. Mm. So how do you... Is that something you combat or do you just lean into it? Is does that bother Paul or does he is he okay with that? I mean, <laughs> how does that work? He he is okay with it. I do have my writing process is to get up early, five okay. or six, and write for a couple of hours before I go to work. Um mm. so so I'm typically doing that in the morning. I roll out of bed and do it. By the end of the day, I can't really write anything because I'm just like burnout by that point. But on the weekends, too, especially when the developmental edits come back and I'm on deadline and I've really got to work on it, I do tend to ignore other things that are going on around me. But 
my family is very accepting. I'm fortunate. My kids are all grown. You know, if I was yeah. a young parent, that would be really difficult. But at this point, I, I can do that. And Paul is aware that it's truly important to me. Yeah. What a gift to have that freedom and space in your life. And it is. It sounds like it was just so well earned. But I also love you said it in the first podcast, and I think it's where we should end today when you talked to Zibby about how it is never too late, that there are so many gifts that you are experiencing to what you're saying right now, where you know, maybe there's a little less chaos or it's it's easier for you to kind of withdraw and do what you need to do. And that wouldn't have been the case for you earlier in life. So is that something you talk about a lot still, just it not being too late? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I came out at 43, got married for the second time at 47, published my first book at 55, and now my first novel at 60. And I can I'm I plan on continuing to try and achieve those milestones. And in a way, I have so much more experience to draw from now. So it it really is never too late. And it's also what I'm writing about in my next book of fiction. It's the man who goes through open heart surgery and wakes up to the world. And so I'm using that personal experience. For my gain in my writing. Oh, I love it. I was going to ask what you were working on next. That is, <laughs> that is so wonderful to hear. Waking up to the world. Gosh, something we're just constantly doing. Well, this has been a joy to talk to you. One final important question. What is your least favorite cottage rule? Or what is the one that's hardest for you to follow? <laughs> when the house is full, getting everybody's permission to use the bathroom. <laughs> Sometimes I, I run to one. the clubhouse. <laughs> yep. I mean, we got to do what we got to do. It's right. We've, we've got to pool down the street with some restrooms there. Like, saddle up, partner. I love it. Oh, well, this has been such a joy to talk to you. This book, The Way Life Should Be, is a beautiful end of summer read. I think it's coming out at the perfect time in the year. There's something about the end of summer that just feels so right for this one. So I'm wishing you all the luck and thanks so much for talking with me and just sharing who you are and about this book. It's wonderful. Thank you, Julie. I've loved it. Me too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.